Welcome everyone to the SUAS News Podcast Series where we talk Hello. about uh, or talk to the people making uh, newsmakers and whatever else that's relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and uh, as we always do, it's the perfunctory Hello and greeting to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hello, Patrick. How are you today, sir? Oh, you know, ducky. Um, <laughs> it, it never gets better. Or dull here at the city room in uh, lovely, sunny Sacramento. Uh, how are you today? I'm well, thank you, sir. Sorry I'm a bit tardy. I was traveling, but... Uh... Just uh, continuing on with uh, the training and graduated another set of drone pilots this week. So all is well on that front. We are moving right along. Well, that's good. Nothing like some uh, quality training from folks that know what's going on. You know, Indeed. The, uh, it's, uh, it boggles my mind what passes for training, but, you know, that's uh, – <laughs> Story for another time. So this is, you know, this is where we would usually probably talk about some of the stories, and then we would introduce our guest and uh, talk about what the topic of the day, which was let there be drone light. But you know, um, when your guest doesn't show up, what do you do? You talk about the news. And uh, fortunately for us, um, we have plenty of news to talk about. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's okay. I, I love to hear myself talk. For those of you that don't know me, no, I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, so, you know, there is, I mean, there's tons of, I mean, the news thing is totally out of control. So I'm going to let you, as we always do, it's customary. What, what, are the, uh, what are the big ones that are catching your attention these days, Gene? Uh, yeah, again, it's where do you start, Patrick? And we've gotten to the point where we just have to kind of cherry pick the things that are most, you know, prevalent and right there at the top. The waiver situation, you know, that thing is, is going nuts with the beyond visual line of sight waivers and the uh, the whole parachute addition to flying over people. And, uh, you know, there, there's that. Um, Gosh, it just it keeps going on and on from the regulatory standpoint. We've got the Drone Advisory Committee in full swing, and uh, I'm still not sure that I understand everything that's going on there. But I know some of the subcommittees have taken off, and and uh, they're they're going to do wonderful things. I, I, I'm sure of it. So, uh, I mean, where do you want to start, Patrick? I mean, take your pick. Well, you know, I am really uh, a mattered natter. Um, on that whole beyond visual line of sight waiver thing. Um, it, it, it's beyond the pale. I mean, today I was looking over some of the notes from the uh, FAA's UAS symposium that they, you know, had to pay AUVSI to facilitate. Well, they didn't pay them directly, but I hear that's uh, that the gate fee there uh, has saved AUVSI's bacon more than once. But if you go over the topics, and you look at the experts and the people on the panels, all these people are supposedly, you know, 
uh, let's say, I mean, it's not, it's beyond a due diligence thing. Safety of the NAS. Oh, we got to do this. It takes forever to get a, uh, one of these waivers because we really have to, you know, make sure everything's safe. And that turns out to be, um, well, it looks like. It, may, it appears that uh, that's all lip service. And really, all it takes is you know fifty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of lobbying from people who used to be in the administration, the presidential administration. And you're in like Flynn, you know. Uh, those people will build you up and, and and craft your image to make you look like experts in a field you're not. And the next thing you know, uh, you're basically you have carte blanche. You have a leg up on everybody you have a beyond visual line of sight waiver, which is really an extended visual line of sight waiver with some VOs and some things in there. But, you know, your VO, I guess, could be a camera operator, which, you know, I don't know how you're a VO and camera operating all at one time. I mean, isn't that a little bit different than you've understood the VO's role? Well, yeah, you know, and and the funny thing about it it is – Patrick, we presented all this stuff a long time ago and said, hey, we can do this. And, of course, a, uh, an electro-optical device, a camera, that we're kind of using in this context is what the FAA at one point considered a single-point failure. Mm-hmm. Because if your battery went dead or, you know, it blinked off or something like that, you, you suddenly have lost your ability to deconflict. So, you know, and suddenly it's okay. I guess maybe they've done some testing with batteries and cameras, and they've deemed them, you know, that their mean time between failures is going to be high enough that uh, it won't be a factor. But, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting how that, that circle is starting to come back around, isn't it? Well, I mean, even in this case, these guys are out there trying to – the job is not – look at the sky with the camera, but uh, collect data, uh, you know, supposed, supposedly well, yeah, okay. regulatory-grade data. That's uh, And so if you're looking at polls, I don't know how you're going to be, uh, you know, detecting and avoiding. Uh, well, you're not. I mean, that's a payload operator, and here we are. Right. We're gonna, I'm getting in my trainer mode. You know, that's roles and responsibilities kind of a situation. You've got a VO who is trying to operate a camera to keep up with an aircraft or, or uh, uh, keep up with deconfliction, and then you have a payload operator who's supposed to get you survey-grade, regulatory-grade data to deal with. So, I mean, that, those are two positions, two separate positions. But, again, it's going to be on the, the VO to, to help with deconfliction no matter what. And you can't have a single-point failure with a VO. Uh, no. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's uh, getting my goat on this deal is, you know, supposedly, I'm sorry, not supposedly, but you know, <laughs> allegedly. Safe, allegedly, yeah, you know, you have to be careful. <laughs> people are, yeah, it's funny, is people are like, you, you, you carry, right? And I was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's been, uh, you know, suggestions or advice that I start carrying uh, two guns. You know, uh, I don't see it that way. I don't really see it. I'm not. I'm not really selling anything here. Um, all I'm trying to do is have a level playing field for the community. And uh, you know, this one really is a high chapper. I mean, this guy. 
from uh, this uh, Precision Hawk is now the chairperson for the DAC. And I got to tell you, the FAA, you know, I want to talk about due diligence. The FAA didn't even kind of, you know, give this uh, company a, per- a cursory look before they installed this person as the chairperson of the DAC. Either uh, the processes need to be changed over at the FAA or... I'm going to say somebody over there has it out for the uh, transportation secretary, um, Chow, because you wouldn't set someone up like this. That, that's my, I mean, I wouldn't. Anybody that I cared about, I'd be like, well, we're going to have to do a little, you know, digging into this company, make sure that they're crossing the T's, dotting the I's, everything's in order. Uh, we don't have any skeletons in the closet because we don't want to make the transportation secretary look like a fool. But, you know, in uh, this case, I guess, I guess the checks and balances got by him. I don't know what he's saying. Wait a minute. Now, Patrick, you you have to look at the company that shared the first DAC, okay? Or the first ARC. Let's look at it that way. This is a, this is a progression, right? Well, so I guess. You have a, a military DOD heavyweight who is supposed to be on the Drone Advisory Committee or the Agency Regulatory Committee, the ARC, whatever you want to call it, years ago, right? Right. right. I mean, if that's not the fox guard in the hen house, I don't know what is. Yeah, but at least, you know, I complained back then, at least, you know, there was a favorable outcome where it was like, hey, you know, uh, at least we're supporting the warfighter. And this, in this instance, what this thing has devolved into is supporting a Chinese toy company, and um, let's see, maybe some special dispensation for certain companies that have enough money to lobby. That, that's how I see this progressing, personally. Well, the the way I see it is the the problem with the the first military DoD chair that we had. It was supposed to be helping the commercial operator out there right. and, and it just didn't work out that way so to me it's it's we have this history of dysfunction well yeah and, and, and it, it continues yeah well the second arc you have to remember you know um the second arc which may still be going on was it was all military <laughs> people and remember, I remember uh, Jim Williams and Peggy Gilligan. There will be no commercial drone talk on the UASR. Because remember, I tried for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years to get on that. And they, no commercial, no small, no nothing. This is all, you know, big iron, mainly military. So we missed an opportunity there. Okay, But the DAC thing... You know, the first one we had, the industry co-chair was Nancy Egan from the failed 3D Robotics, which is, is trying to make a comeback. And Chris Anderson was at the, um, you know, at, at the FAA UAS symposium talking about automation and the guy's a fool. I'm sorry. Uh, he was at the, the helm of a company that was in the catbird seat and lost $145 million plus dollars when the guy had free IP. Um, Years of a lead on anyone, and he still couldn't get it together. And some people are telling me, oh, you know, you're mean to some of the visionaries and pioneers like Chris and Helen. And I kind of a little dust up with Helen Greiner on uh, on the Twitter. And, you know, everybody looks to Helen and she's like a visionary. Hey, I got to tell you, man, 
Um, number one, we've had the dust up in the UK. You've seen where this guy from their government or an agency that represents the government, he's talking about uh, the uh, clueless, careless, and criminal operator, UAS operator or droner or whatever you want to call them. Um, where did that nomenclature come from? None other than Brian Wynn over at AUBSI. That's that's, and he's the CEO of the world's largest uh, unmanned technologies advocacy group. And so when I go back and I say, hey, these people are dangerous, and the stuff that they're saying is is a crock, you know, and you got to watch out. Here it is. It, it bubbles to the surface like a like a postule, like a pimple, you know, and it's ugly. And there it is. And um, you know, when people defend <laughs> AUBSI. Uh, you're going to get a little dust up. The other, you know, with Helen, is back, this is the thing with the, the visionaries, and people have to understand the history here. You remember the uh, under four pound exemption that oh, we I tried did. to get, I did. Uh, our CAPA tried to get coming out of the first SUAS ARC in 2009? Been co-opted by other folks, but let's, let's just, I'm going to throw it out there. There were two visionaries who would not support the under four pound exemption. One, Chris Anderson wasn't enough weight, and the person that backed him up on that was Helen Greiner. And I said, I don't understand what you people are talking about. You know, and I had to remind Helen. I asked her, I said, Well, Helen, you know, I mean, you could test, you could test subsystems and components and software. And uh, how much does software weigh, Helen? But she did concede, yeah, that's true. It doesn't really weigh anything. So when you when you look to your heroes and the visionaries and the rest of these nincompoops that all got their money, that all made tons of money on you know on this industry, basically grifting and grafting or whatever they had to do, um, you know they they didn't care about you. They didn't they didn't care that you were out there in the cold or that you know your future industry was going to get wrecked or stomped on or destroyed. As long as I'm over here clinking the glasses at the meetings. And anybody wants to call me up and debate it and talk about it and defend, you got my number. I'm all over the internet. You can call me up and we can talk about it. But uh, nobody's getting a pass here. I just, it, it, it really steams my clams. Maybe not you. You're I more think you level. Should tell us how that. you really feel, Patrick. Don't hold anything back, man. Cut loose. Just tell us how well, you feel, bud. I, I feel like uh, I've had to sit back and watch a bunch of clowns give away the circus, destroy it. That's where we are now. Anybody that would go along with the repeal of 336, as far as I'm concerned, is either Drone Judas or Benedict Arnold. I would have to agree with that count. I know those those you know think all these kids and every you know the oh STEM education it's all lip service, you know. So, you know, I, I keep saying that, you know, that the Chinese toy company got off without any, you know, let's say um, anything that, you know, they would have to do to be responsible, including make a drone that doesn't fly five or seven kilometers away, you know, beyond visual line of sight or whatever. But instead, let's shaft the kids, you know. That bugs me. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, that was such a big part of my childhood growing up is to be able to, you know, put those stick and balsa things together and go out to the field wherever I wanted to go and, you know, explore aviation. And it was uh, was a good thing for me because I've got pictures of me when I was four years old holding one of those things. 
and, and uh, I you know, so. here I am. Another 60 well, years later, and the fire hasn't died. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, yeah, and there's been a lot of people, you know, astronauts, Paul McCready. I mean, we can just go down the list. <clears throat> we wouldn't, there, a lot of um, aviation, even the B-52 contract, those guys ran out to a hobby shop, and they were modelers, and modeled up the B-52 for the Air Force to win the contract. It, it's just, it's a mind-boggling to me. Now, we're going to restrict the citizens, and this is this is going spreading worldwide. We're seeing UK and, and Europe and other countries. We're going to restrict, you know, uh, a STEM education outlet so a Chinese toy company can move product. Not that, you know, everybody, oh, you're so anti-Chinese, and you don't, you know, not anti-Chinese. DJI makes a great product, a great price point. Too low. I don't know if you saw that, but, you know, there's, there's something wrong here. The price is too uh, low you for know, what you're getting. Patrick, you predicted it a long time ago, the sub-$1,000 fully autonomous drone. But let's throw this China. out here then. Okay, China says that, you know, they're not going to do that to us anymore. We've got the government issue, uh, all oh, privacy yeah. maintained. Wait, 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 wait. And, and oh. now we're going to make them in the United States. We're going we're gonna to send you all the components, and you can, you can make them in the United States, and you can say, made in USA. Yeah, Your exactly. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't think that that is really going to do the trick. Myself, I. Uh, and the other thing that cracks me up is we don't want your data. We're not interested in your data. Third time's a charm. This is the third time they've come up with some new system that's not collecting your data, and it's just not true. Why would they be sending out data breach letters? Why would uh, the stuff that Kevin Finisteer found all over their servers be, um, you know, be there if they're not collecting any data? And even beyond that, oh, yeah, the, uh, your data is stored on servers in your country. Uh, uh, read the uh, AWS, the AWAS Terms of Service. That's all I got to say. And so the thing is, I get this, too, where you get people, oh, you know, oh, this is laughable. Why would... <laughs> Why would they want your data? Uh, you know, did you hear where the Navy asked the FAA to add warships to the no-fly zone? I mean, you're, yeah. you're giving warship movement data to a Class A adversary. Am I the only one? I, I mean, I'm not even a security guy. I'm just some guy out here in California, you know, uh, that writes for a, a blog. I'm a... I, I, am I a... You know, am I wrong? <laughs> Uh, I, you've been rendered speechless, Patrick, and that is a real task. I can I can assure you of that. I, and, I, and I think some of it may just be uh, there. We're allowed to foment this hysteria to make it look so implausible uh, more than anything else. But I think deep down, the the root of it is is that. They may not be interested in a lot of our data, but they are interested in some of our data. Okay, you know, whatever. I, I had uh, I had something else that I was going to say, but I kind of lost my train of thought on that. But uh, <laughs> I know it's hard to believe too. Um, God, just it just bugs me, man. It's just what do you? I mean, here's the other deal. Oh, people. Oh, you know, this. I don't. Okay. 
we've got several branches of the DAOD. DHS, ICE, and a Chinese toy company. Who are you going to believe? That's all i got to say on that one. Anyway, it looks like our guest showed up. Because uh, we didn't hey. get into the golden parachute, but... Uh, you know, let's let's bring on our guest, is the Mr. Riley Strickland. What's going on here, Riley? How are you? Sorry, I'm a little bit late dialing in, but good to hear your voice. Yeah, I don't even know if you're going to want to be part of this uh, podcast. I just <laughs> I went on a rant. And, well, you know, whatever. We we've got a little time to talk about what you have, but yeah, it's kind of hot topic. You know, we're talking about waivers and flying over people and. Stuff like that, but a lot of big ups. Yeah, there's a big, a lot of big stories out there, and people, you know, are asking questions and we're going into some explanations and whatnot. But uh, you know, let's switch gears and uh, let's talk about, um, you know, I want to talk about Loom Cube a little bit. And the reason I wanted to have you on mainly is she came out with a new product, and the new product we, is something that uh, I think is a merit, and it's a strobe. For uh, drones, which I always I like, I think the strobe idea is a good idea um, to, you know, have to 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 help with uh, you know manned pilots or whatever. Seeing so, avoid you, blah blah blah, a little bit safer in the sky. Tell us, maybe you can give us a little brief bio about yourself, then you can launch into the new product. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I've been a part of LoomCube since inception. I'm one of the co-founding members on the team. And, uh, yeah, you know, specialty lighting was, was our space in the beginning. And so kind of started more in the action camera lighting space and content and really just found a niche in this LED space. And uh, this was 2014, so just before drones were really came about in the mass market. Uh, and then really the fans launch of DJI is what is what launched us into a lot of our customers were getting the Phantom 4 and ultimately were asking us to figure out how to put their loom cubes on. So we made some 3D renderings and, and printed up some 3D mounts that we figured out how to put lights on drones and from there it was kind of off to the races and have we've been heavily involved in the drone space as a, an enterprise partner with DJI for the last two years and working closely with a lot of the drone manufacturers. And, you know, it was kind of similar to probably why you guys are, are ranting and raving that we noticed at this time in such an early stage in, uh, in drones, you know, there's a lot of confusion about regulations and laws and what a hobbyist can or can't do, when can they fly. And so as these regulations kind of increase, essentially line of sight and safety and anti-collision is going to be and currently is a big part of safety. And so that's kind of why we came out to life. We saw a lot of DIY, but no real company offering a proper solution. And so being a little bit of a gray area in there in the drone market from a legal perspective, we figured this is kind of a product that you can do to err on the safety side of things and err on the side of caution by equipping your uh, UAS device with, with anti-collision lighting. So it's been a fun few days. We've only launched it two days ago, so we've gotten great feedback, and so we're excited to uh, be sharing it with the world. Yeah, yeah, you guys sent me one. It's, uh, it's, it's a nice little system. It's all self-contained. I do fly strobes on my systems, on my DJI systems. I want to make sure that everyone's aware of where I'm at. They're doing what I can to, uh, you know, to, to be safe, you know. Uh, so I think the Absolutely. idea of, 
a, a self-contained system. That was one thing that always, but uh, I didn't like. If you're cobbling together a system, there's there's points of failure. More points of failure, oh, Murphy's Law, you know, yada, yada, yada. So the idea that you have something that's totally self-contained, installed, ready to go, uh, appeals to me. And, and I, I do like that about your, your product. I also like the um, the idea that, you know, there's, uh, let's say, covers for them so that you can have your port and starboard, your, your, your red and your green. If you want to do that, if you have a large enough um, drone, might be silly on a something small, <laughs> like a, a Mavic or something. But you know, something a little larger, you can have that on there, um, and you know, show people where you're at. And um, you know, I mean, uh, so that's that's something that's good. But it, it's not just uh, the strobes. I know, you know, we've talked about some other projects, and you have other. Your your basically your solutions are for. Uh, photography, video, maybe you can talk about some of those. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a couple of lighting products, uh, mainly in the photo and video space, you know, illumination devices, lights that you see on top of cameras when you're at an event and someone's filming a video, uh, or creative aspects for photographers and stuff like that. But uh, without question, the fastest growing segment of our business is the drone space and where a lot of our lights are used so we you know, make lighting kits for every DJI drone out there, an Autel drone, and they really the early stage was more for a photographic video, like almost headlights for your drone, so you could see where you were going at night and/or do these crazy, you know, put light 400 feet up in the sky and illuminate different things. And it was more of kind of a cool creative feature, but where we've actually seen the most movement and where uh, a lot of our business is is in the enterprise space. And so working with the public sector in terms of, you know, drones are being highly adopted there for SWAT teams, search and rescue, uh, inspection agencies. And essentially, you know, what keeps someone like us in business is that the one guarantee is that the sun goes down every day. So if anything happens at night in these, uh, in these public sector departments, they have to put a drone up and go check whether a wire is broken on a telephone line or just kind of a search and rescue mission or just something as simple as, uh, you know, going out to see if, uh, if somebody's breaking in in, in an area. Uh, lights essentially allow you to have that visibility from a drone perspective and fly the drone out there and not just see black. And so they are headlights for a drone in that, that public sector, which has actually been a really cool opportunity. So for us as a business, you know, this is the second drone lighting solution from an anti-collegiate perspective that we're bringing to the market. And uh, really, you know, we call ourselves a specialty lighting company. So we see these opportunities, whether it be in drones or action cameras or photography or uh, enterprise usage. And light, LED lighting is an unbelievable tool. And so our job is to package it appropriately for that customer and, uh, and offer them a really cool, affordable solution that's going to help them do their job, whether it be taking a cool image or you know, saving lives. Well, that's, we have our resident search and rescue guy on uh, also, Mr. Gene Robinson. I think Gene Robinson is a customer. Gene? Yeah, as a matter of fact, Riley, we were probably one of the first adopters of the LumCube um, back when they uh, – they weighed quite a lot, actually, and that was one of the one of our concerns. We were mounting them on Inspires and 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 trying to get them up in the air for search and rescue and that sort of thing. Uh, and when endurance was king, you know, it was it was kind of difficult for us to to 
put a lot of that weight on there. So it's really good to see that you're moving into the uh, the high intensity LED side of the thing. And I would imagine you probably cut your weight down pretty significantly, right? Yeah, we've got a couple really cool things in the pipeline that, uh, well, a lot of new products that are going to be dropping in over the next six months. And so really that you are, you nailed, hit the nail on the head. Um, as I mentioned, kind of the early loom cubes were meant for GoPros and action cameras and being put on cameras. And then we didn't really design a light for a drone. It was more of people said, hey, I love your little lights. Can I put them on a drone? So we created the mount. Right. But without question, right. you know, we, we openly admit it was kind of a square peg in a round hole where in the ideal situation, there's a lot of features <laughs> in the loom cube that a drone user doesn't have. But then it's also missing some features that uh, a drone user would love to have, such as adjustable beam angles and, so, you know, 10 times the brightness yes. and all these different aspects of, uh, right, of what a drone now. user would want. So so what we're doing is, you know, that's our kind of secret sauce in the back end of our product development team saying, okay, let's not just create a, a versatile universal light. Let's create a very specific light for each application or customer. Um, so drone, without question, you'll see some new investments from us come out over the next few months in, uh, in the drone space, which works out. All right. Out. And you better give us the uh, website address because we're off in 30 seconds. So where can <laughs> listeners go? You can check it out at loomcube.com, L-U-M-E-C-U-B-E.com. You can't miss it. All right. Well, thanks for uh, being on, Riley, and we'll be well, checking the website. And everybody else, have a good week, and we'll see you next time on the SUS News Podcast. Thanks, Beth. Appreciate it, guys.